You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe. And if you're listening across the Big Blue View Radio Network, Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Giants fans, we have Giants Cowboys coming up on Sunday night football in the season opener. And here to uh, to help me break down the game is the great RJ Ochoa of Blogging the Boys, good friend of the show, despite the fact that he roots for the wrong team. But uh, RJ is here to help me break it down. How you, how you doing, my friend? Ed, it's great to be with you. Uh, great to have another NFL season back. Um, it's felt awkward not starting with Cowboys Giants uh, for a little while. You know what I mean? It, it feels like we're back to our roots. Um, so it's great to see you in week one specifically. You know, as much as we like, the, you know, Giants Cowboys is kind of traditional. It, it, it's gotten annoying as it, you know, on the, from the Giants side over the years because the Giants never seem to win that game. But you know, but we'll get into it. It does feel it does feel right. It does feel normal to, to open the season this way. And, and and we'll all be happy to have some football on Sunday night. Oh, totally. And this is, um, you know, this is the, the best way to start a season. If you're a football fan or if, if this is your team, you know, whether it's the Giants or the Cowboys, um, you obviously get the season opener. You get all day Sunday. You know what I mean? All that stress free football you just get to consume. And then you get, you know, then it's time to go to work. You sit down, you focus, maybe you, you smoke some meat or something all day on Sunday. <laughs> um, and, and you get the, that's just, it's the, it's the best. There, there's no, it's, it's, you know, I know that you know this, but like, it's awful when your team plays at noon specifically, cause you miss so much that's happening across the league. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. This is my Nirvana. Yeah, it gets, it, it's weird. It does get hard when your team plays the early game especially you know for you and me because we we watch our team play and then then we have to work yeah, you know exactly. we're 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 cranking out content right. and it's like oh then you know a whole bunch of other games happened and stuff happened in the NFL and oh maybe I'll just go to the internet and read about it <laughs> yeah um and that's always the you know the challenge but I, I I just like you I wouldn't trade it for anything else um and it's it, it's it's what makes things like Sunday night a lot more fun, right? You know, you you and I will be up till you know it's an hour later for you, obviously, but one a.m. whatever it is um, at the earliest, I imagine, and um, it's 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 softened if your team wins, and uh, that's certainly the the side of the spectrum I'm hoping to be on um, a few days from now. But uh, yeah, it's look it. Uh, this is this is the best part of the year. I mean, uh, I'm also a Houston Astros fan, um, which you know very well. So uh, life is good once again in that sense. Um, I'm a Manchester United fan, so I'm that Cowboys fan. Um, things aren't going all too well there. Uh, but sports are all the rage. Uh, the pumpkin flavors are everywhere. 
And soon enough, everybody will be walking down your street in Halloween costumes. Hey, so let's, as we get into the Cowboys and, and Giants and, and Sunday night a little bit, I asked your good friend Dave Halperin this in our five questions segment that'll appear on, on Big Blue View on Friday. But let me throw this out for you as, as Dallas starts a new season. What did you like about what the Cowboys did this offseason and what didn't you like about what they did? So I obviously like what they did in a vacuum, but um, if you compare it to what they did a year ago, it, it's it's all the more great if you're a Cowboys fan. So, And I think that that's important perspective. Uh, you may recall a year ago, the Cowboys were coming off of an offseason where they traded away Amari Cooper. They couldn't get the Randy Gregory deal done in the 11th hour and he defected to the Denver Broncos. They cut Lyle Collins. And some of those things, you know, the Amari one, certainly not, have aged well for the Cowboys. You know, they, they promoted Terrence Steele. They just gave him a brand new contract. Um, and so it really felt like they were a worse team on paper in 2022 than they were in 2021. And, you know, and then you factor in that in that first opening game of the season, Dak Prescott injured his thumb. It, ju it just felt like it was insurmountable. They were never going to be able to overcome that. Um, as opposed to this offseason, you know, it was really frustrating, obviously, to see them lose in the divisional round again and not get back to the NFC Championship game again. Um, but it felt like they really took things seriously. It felt like, OK, they identified some weaknesses and they found crafty ways to approach them. They traded for Stephon Gilmore. They traded for Brandon Cooks. Uh, they drafted Mozzie Smith. It was the first time I don't know if you're aware of this, that they spent a the first round pick on a defensive tackle since they took Russell Maryland number one overall in 1991. Um even since then, they have approached their own team in a wise way. They had a number of contracts that needed to get done. They paid Terrence Steele, obviously. They paid Trayvon Diggs at the beginning of training camp. Uh, they took care of the Zach Martin situation after a little bit of drama there. Uh, they obviously are preparing for a world where they have to pay Micah Parsons. And I always think of you with Micah because you were the first person who knew, and I say that seriously, uh, not tongue-in-cheek, that he was going to be great. Uh, and they're going to have to pay him, you know, in the offseason. And Nick Bosa just set the floor for that. A Dak Prescott extension is going to be due. C.D. Lamb's going to be due a new deal as well. Um, so they had a lot of work to do. And it felt like they accomplished everything that they could and then some. So it feels like they have finally started to take the football. Look, they're an incredible business, right? They're the most valuable professional sports team in the world. Um, but it, it has felt like they have finally started to approach the football side of their operation with the same ferocity and intensity as they do the public relations side. It's just, it's always interesting with the Cowboys. There's always attention, good, bad, indifferent. They're, they're always, uh, they're always the team, one of the teams everybody wants to talk about. Listen, you know, I did your show on Thursday morning, and I want to talk about a couple of the things that we talked about in that show. The first one, you brought up the piece that we did at Big Blue View, the Daniel Jones roundtable piece where we talked about the question was, how many quarterbacks would you trade Daniel Jones for? And we discussed the fact that I did not put Dak Prescott on that list. Uh, the flip side of that is if I were to offer you Daniel Jones for Dak Prescott, would you take that trade straight up and why or why not? Um, with all due respect, ab absolutely not. I mean, um, I don't know that I would trade Dak for any quarterback in the NFC. 
Uh, I think that the, the and you did a great job, I think, on on our side of things, contextualizing um, that discussion that you had. Um, you know, it's not it wasn't an exercise, as I understand it, in ranking the quarterbacks. It was a discussion of trading and, and age is a factor and, and all sorts of, you know, variables like that. Uh, but that being said, if I did rank right, if I did approach, you know, it, it, it from a little bit more of that perspective, um, I know a lot of people think Jalen Hurts is better than Dak Prescott, and there's obviously a lot of data to support that. And uh, I think we're all interested to see if, if Hurts can do it again here in 2023. But uh, but Dak has a, a pretty substantial body of work. I don't know if you know he is um, he is the longest tenured starting quarterback in the NFL with his respective team. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is longer in the tooth, but now on a new team um, that shares your building. But um, for the most part, Dak Prescott has been you know a top tier NFL quarterback. Um, I, you mentioned when we talked there, there is kind of a, a group at the very top of, of NFL quarterback tiers, right? Patrick Mahomes is his own tier. And then after that, I would put maybe Josh Allen and Joe Burrow in maybe kind of a secondary tier. Um, and then I think the conversation starts for Dak or Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson. And, and I think that that third tier is kind of a revolving door. Maybe it's different week three and then week four and week five. And, you know, some guys have, have weeks where they float into the tier or float out. Uh, but I think that Dak is 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 really just an, an incredible passer. And he, look, you mentioned it. He, the Cowboys are a really volatile, polarizing thing, and that often tends to lead to um, you know opinions that are on one end of the spectrum. And we're guilty of that too, in a positive sense, um, because we, we we strive to to achieve balance in the force. Um, but we we do our best, obviously, to be as objective as we can. And that being said, you know, we're able to admit, you know, that that Dak is not Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen. But I, I do think he is a cut below that and and right there, you know, in, in stride and has proven to be. And he had all the interceptions last year and he obviously missed five games. And so that is kind of the the demerit that everyone wants to see and, and to talk about. Like, oh, I don't like that. That is such an, an outlier as far as Dak Prescott's longstanding career at this point. And I'm not going to say that, you know, there weren't a lot of interceptions that weren't Dak Prescott's fault, but there were a lot of tip balls. And that is something that the Cowboys have been really focused on this offseason and, and heading into 2023. So we do anticipate that to go down. But I think he's in, in terms of just what he offers as a football player, he is one of the best passers in the NFL, um, aside from the leadership value that he brings. And I, I think that that's something that that all football fans respect about Dak is he, he is an incredible human being. Um, and, and that's the person that I kind of want at the center of my operation, especially, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown of the Dallas Cowboys. And, and there aren't a lot of people who, who can survive it. And Dak is definitely, uh, at least in my lifetime, somebody very, very different in that respect. Absolutely, RJ. I, I fully understand your, your take on, uh, on, on Prescott. I'm not sure you've convinced me totally, but, uh, but it is what it is. We'll move on to another topic. I, you know, I fully expected you to to support Dak in in that argument. And who knows? A year from now, it might be a different discussion. A year from now, we might all see something different, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But I did want to ask you, in reference to Sunday, another thing we talked about on your show is the fact that the Giants have lost 11 out of 12 games to Dallas. They've actually lost 12 out of 14 to the Eagles as well. It's It's been sort of two tiers in the NFC East for, for a good while now. What is it going to take for the Cowboys to really begin to see the Giants 
as a legitimate threat or do or are the Giants already there coming off of a playoff season? So my view of the Giants is um, and I, I say this in a complimentary sense is a, a rebuilding team that had an incredible first season, right? Like so often in the NFL, that first year of a rebuild is is really poor, right? And then, you know, you, you end up as like a team like the Lions, right? That That is on the kind of common rebuild trajectory. But sometimes you have that first year that is incredible. And I think the Vikings are in a similar boat who the Giants obviously beat in the playoffs. And, and I told you that I, I'm a believer in the Vikings and was a believer in them last season. So there wasn't anything, you know, hollow about that playoff win in my mind. Um, and so I do take the Giants seriously. Now, I'm only one person, but but I do think that that's the general temperature amongst Cowboys fans. Like, yeah, you have people who who want to, you know, laugh about the fact that Dak is 10-0 in his last 10 games against the team. But um, but people forget, you know, I told you the Giants had the lead at, at, at halftime on Thanksgiving. And that was something, you know, that the Cowboys struggled with last year. Um, an, an expression that people used a lot was they were playing with their food. Um, you know, they haven't really been a team that's just been able to kind of vanquish an opponent and just like, you know, put their foot on the gas and, and twist the knife and whatever. And their their theme for this year is Carpe Omnia. Um, I don't know um, your uh, level of understanding of Latin. Uh, mine's not great, but uh, <laughs> but it means uh, seize everything. And that's kind of their goal is to just take everything, leave nothing behind, you know, pillage everyone and apologize for nothing and, you know, be the rulers of the entire NFL kingdom. Um, and I think the Giants are, are operating in a similar sense, which is why I respect them. I, I by no means think this is and that's where things are different uh, for a while. Uh, again, respectfully, I was never worried about these two games. I was never worried about the commanders games or the Washington games or whatever. Um, and even then, the Washington games have always kind of been a little bit more awkward for Dallas. They've dropped a couple in recent history, um, even through their carousel of quarterbacks and coaches. But um, but last year, I think, woke a lot of people up. So. I'm not above admitting that I think the Cowboys may split the series with the Giants this year. I mean, th these are two games that are no longer stress-free. They, they are true, tried, classic division rivalries uh, that you have to pay an inordinate amount of attention to. And that's what makes this so valuable for Dallas and for New York as well. But given that Dallas is the road team, if you start off the season 1-0, obviously that, that works well to your favor. But you're 1-0 in the division. And if you're the Cowboys, you have one of your three road divisional games under your belt with a win in hand. So... I do take the Giants very seriously. I know a lot of people think they'll be the common expression is a better team with a worse record this year. That may wind up being true, but I I really am bummed that Brian Dable is there and that Wink Martindale is there and that <laughs> Joe Shane is there because uh, for a long time, it was easy to assume that the Giants would make the wrong and the poor decisions, but that is no longer the case. And I've been a real fan uh, in an objective sense of every just about everything they've done. Uh, since Brian Dable arrived, even the handling of Daniel Jones, you had to pay him. I know that there are Giants fans that disagree with that. The handling of Saquon Barkley, call it cold, call it callous, whatever, but they are a, a functional football team again, and it pisses me off. <laughs> and, and we like to hear that, RJ. We like to hear that. You know, I always say that for there to be a real rivalry, you know, both teams have to win sometimes. Mm -hmm. And... I think that that's where the Giants are with the Cowboys and with the Eagles, as I said earlier. If the Giants are going to become, you know, one of the quote-unquote big boys of the NFC, they've got to beat the Cowboys and the Eagles once in a while. They've got to go beat the 49ers once in a while. And, you know, and until they do that, then they're a nice team, but they're not they're not really one of the big boys. And that's fair. I mean, 
you know, and I think a lot of people feel that way about the Cowboys when it comes to playoff success, right? Well, you make an NFC title game, right? Like it, it's an arbitrary line to draw in the sand, but it's it's fair in some senses. Um, and so while, while I understand, you know, assessing the Cowboys or the Eagles or the Niners, I think those are the three teams that are, are most commonly referred to as the three best in the conference as, as measuring sticks. Um, I would offer that, you know, I, I I think that more people are starting to take the Giants seriously. And so I get feeling um, slighted because of whatever the last decade of football uh, for New York. And, you know, you mentioned the other day um, the the record, the you know, that they were tied with the Jets, obviously, for the worst record in the NFL uh, from 2017 through what was it, 2021 um, but th- those days, like the darkest part of the night is over for the Giants. And so I, it's, it's a patient process. And I do regard the Giants as a blue blood, as a big boy. that has been a little bit down on their luck. That's made some poor decisions, but, um, but the right people are in the right places now and it's annoying. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, let me ask you about one of the big changes in Dallas. Kellen Moore is out as offensive coordinator. Mike McCarthy is in. And Mike McCarthy never coached the Giants. But Giants fans have a little bit of experience with the Mike McCarthy offense. Because (laughs) Ben McAdoo brought that offense from... Green Bay. And one of the things we learned about Ben McAdoo was that's all he knew. All he knew was Mike McCarthy's 11 personnel. And if it doesn't work, you just practice it harder and you just keep banging your head against that wall until your head basically explodes. And so what we basically learned was, you know, Mike McCarthy's offense didn't work without Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. (laughs) And so I'm maybe that was a Ben McAdoo problem. You know, maybe it was a Mike McCarthy offense problem. I don't know. I'm just curious what the feeling is in Dallas about McCarthy taking over the offense and, and, and what are we going to see? Are we going to see them run what McCarthy ran in green Bay? Are we going to see some sort of amalgamation of, of Moore's offense and and McCarthy's offense? Just uh, talk about McCarthy running that offense. Yeah, well, so if Dak Prescott's the most polarizing person associated with the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy is a is a close second. Um, and and Mike McCarthy is easy, you know, he's an easy meme for the internet. He's he's kind of an easy punching bag. Um, and so again, that that he's somebody that I strive to you know establish balance of the force with. 
Um, and there are a lot of Cowboys fans who are not a fan of Mike McCarthy, but I think it's difficult to not look at what the Cowboys have done under him and admire it and respect it. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but the Cowboys last year were a playoff team in back-to-back years for the first time since 2006 and, and 2007, a year that you hold near and dear to your heart. They won double-digit games you know, in back-to-back seasons last year for the first time since 1995 and 1996. I mean, that's a long time. You know what I mean? That, that Mike McCarthy kind of – and keep in mind, obviously, Dak Prescott missed five games last year. Um, and so he has – really done things that that haven't been done before. And now he's obviously taking over the offensive play calling. And Mike McCarthy is a student of the West Coast offense, obviously grew up um, under Marty Schottenheimer and, you know, in San Francisco and, and has worked with Joe Montana. And that's that's what he wants to do is bring in the West Coast offense. But I, I you know, I think it's important to, <clears throat> to note, excuse me, that when Mike McCarthy arrived in Dallas in 2020, he was coming off of, if you recall, when he was the Green Bay Packers head coach, he'd seated play calling. And then he said, I'm never going to do that again. And then he landed in Dallas and Kellen Moore had, had this amazing first year as the team's <clears throat> play caller. And he he allowed it. He allowed Kellen Moore to maintain that despite saying, I will never do that again. And so I don't think he gets enough credit for being flexible like that. I, I think that that is a, a hallmark of leadership, you know, being able to kind of adjust and being able to change your perspective and to humble yourself. Um, and obviously, Kellen Moore, you know, put up a lot of offensive numbers that are difficult to argue with. But um, but the Cowboys kind of got stagnant to that point. And so I do think it is an amalgamation. You know, West Coast is obviously an incredibly popular term in the NFL, but the Cowboys have adopted um, – the Texas Coast offense because they're they're kind of blurring you know Kellen Moore's ideas together with Mike McCarthy. But it's important to note that Kellen Moore was a student of Scott Linehan and a student of Jason Garrett. I mean, this is the first real you know differentiation from Jason Garrett that Dak Prescott has ever had from, from an offensive standpoint. And he's again the longest tenured starting quarterback in the NFL with his respective team. Um, so I think. You know, we're going to see everybody thinks that he's going to run the ball because of that offhanded comment he had at the NFL combine. And keep in mind that one week after he said that the team cut Zeke Elliott and traded for Brandon Cooks. But but they want to run the ball, Ed. You know, that's that's really <laughs> their whole identity here. Um, and I think th- this is all about easy completions, maximizing, you know, completions for the Cowboys underneath things. I, you know, everybody knows the names CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks and obviously Michael Gallup. But. I would get to know beyond Tony Pollard, Deuce Vaughn, whose story everybody obviously knows, but Cavante Turpin, who the Cowboys didn't really utilize that much on offense last year. They want those fast dudes in space underneath those high percentage throws from Dak Prescott to just get the ball in the hands of playmakers. And so that's what I think we're going to see. I do think there is a, a motivation to run the ball well, but but not a focus on it the way that people tend to think that there will be. And so um, I think we'll see an aggressive play caller. Mike, Mike McCarthy knows what he has and he knows the weaponry at his disposal. And so he's he's not here to punt. And I think that that and no <laughs> pun intended. Um, I think that a lot of people do view him as this pushover, but but he has a Mercedes and he knows how to drive it. I have to ask you, it's been a while, but how weird is it uh, to see a Cowboys team without Ezekiel Elliott? You know, um, the landscape of the running back position and the discussion around it really kind of happened all throughout his time in Dallas. And obviously you're well aware of that um, with the Saquon Barkley era. And that first year was just so remarkable. And, and some of it was the youthfulness of Zeke and Dak, obviously, and that happening simultaneously and the kind of wonder of it all. 
Um, and, you know, you know how difficult it is to say goodbye to a franchise great, you know, particularly like the quarterback position. And so, I mean, it was such an emotionally charged time. And then, you know, I, I think people forget, too, you know, the 2017 season had the suspension thing hanging over him. So there was this like, you know, this us against the world mentality, the NFL's out for Zeke type stuff. Uh, and then the next year they traded for Amari Cooper. Like there's been this volatility um, almost every year, some sort of massive narrative hanging over the Cowboys in the Zeke era. And so it is different. Um, but I think that, again, with all due respect to Zeke, I think people are really happy about it. it you, you said it yourself to me. It's been obvious for two years that he's not the best running back on the team. Um, and you can call it finances, you know, being the primary motivation, but the Cowboys continue to use him. He had 12 touchdowns last year. I would challenge you to go look at the distances traveled on each of them. I mean, we're talking two yards, one yard, three yards. I mean, it was all goal line work. Um, and the reality is that when Zeke Elliott was on the field last year, the Cowboys were less explosive. And that has been the primary objective is to get more explosive on offense, which is why they traded for Brandon Cooks, which is why they franchise tagged Tony Parr, which is why they drafted Deuce Vaughn and why they plan to utilize Kevontae Turpin more on the offensive side of the ball. Zeke Elliott is a fabulous player and a Dallas Cowboys legend. And if Jerry Jones has anything to do with it, we'll probably have his name in the ring of honor someday. Uh, but he was, you know, to be blunt, a misuse of an incredibly valuable resource. I mean, the fourth overall pick and then a second contract. Um, and so that's also back to your first question where it's been so refreshing to see the Cowboys kind of operate um, in in a forward-thinking way, in a modern way. And moving on from Zeke Elliott, as difficult as it is, again, to say goodbye to a franchise great, it was significant in that it shows the Cowboys are willing to be objective and to make hard decisions. And I think people were a fan of that specifically. Understood. I know the Giants are going to be facing that that same dilemma with Saquon Barkley. And I think I know where it's headed. I think if they weren't going to give Barkley a long-term deal after last season, I don't think they're going to give him a long-term deal after this coming season either. I think they're going to play hardball with Barkley. I think they're going to tag him again. And I think probably after after next season, the Giants are are in a post-Barkley era. It's just uh, that, sadly, is the smart way to do things with running backs these days is because they're better early in their career than late. It just, it the evidence is overwhelming. It's unfortunate, and, you know, I'm, and I know you are always rooting for players to get as much as they can, as soon as they can. I mean, your, your career is such a fleeting thing, um, but again, if you're, if you're being frank, if you're being objective, it, it, I mean, you're completely right. I mean, obviously, look at, at what happened this offseason. You know, Saquon Barkley was upset. Nothing happened. Josh Jacobs was upset. Nothing happened. Jonathan Taylor is the the only dude who's kind of dragging this on a little bit. But I would I would bet you that he's probably going to return after the pup list four week period and play this season out and, you know, hope he gets paid in the offseason. But I mean, what evidence is there? To, who is the I mean, Christian McCaffrey has a big deal, obviously, and he's kind of worth it, but he's the unicorn. You know, it's the the moment that the Cowboys paid Zeke Elliott was the moment and it was coincidental, but his production really dropped off. He was a fine player in 2019, but ever since then, it just really took its toll. And that was also the year that they drafted Tony Pollard. And so it just it, it did become a point of frustration for Cowboys fans that the team was utilizing Zeke so much last year because Tony Pollard seemed to offer a lot more. Before I ask you for a pick on Sunday's game, let me ask you this, something sort of Giants specific. When you look at this different Giants team, you know, than the one that that 
that the Giants fielded a year ago. What, if anything, concerns you when you look at the Giants and you say, is that that's really something they couldn't do a year ago, or that's really something where I'm not sure Dallas matches up and 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 you're worried about it? I would say the variety of offensive skill position players. Um, you know, I've never been worried about Sterling Shepard. Uh, I was never worried about Kadarius Tony. obviously, in that, that brief little window. Um, never really been worried about Saquon kind of taking over the game because, again, you know, the kind of perspective on running backs and whatnot. Um, but Darren Waller is dynamic. I mean, there's there's no question about it. And, and if he hits that ceiling, I mean, if he returns to the form we've seen him have, if he stays healthy, I mean, that's a huge problem. I, I'm so upset that Jalen Hyatt fell out of the Giants. I do feel like that's something we're going to look back on and be like, why did everybody forget in the lead up to the draft process that he was this amazing wide receiver in college? Um, I think the Paris Campbell signing is a little bit underrated and not talked about enough and so in that respect sterling shepherd doesn't have to be your your superstar right like you, you know if all of a sudden sterling shepherd is just one of the dudes and you have several dudes um i i think this is the the most you know the the largest variety of offensive talent that the giants have had in a very very long time even in in the early odell days i was never troubled with the giants skill position group because it just felt like odell and, and a bunch of dudes and it felt like you could survive that i mean the cowboys literally survived the greatest catch of all time by a lot of people's estimation and, and won the game that it happened in um so it's a bummer and i do think that a, a rising tide lifts the quarterback boat specifically um i think if you look back at brian dable's previous stop when you know josh allen had people forget that Josh Allen wasn't this like amazingly accurate passer early on. It wasn't until the the Bills traded for Stephon Diggs and brought in Cole Beasley, who could get open, uh, incidentally, Cole Beasley, of all people, um, and, and provided him with these you know receivers that could establish space between them and their defenders that the things improved for Josh. And Josh deserves a lot of credit, and so does Brian Dable. But, um, but I think that that helps, you know, Daniel Jones. And, and so, again, I'm, I'm really bothered at the way that the Giants have uh, found the right way to do this. All right, RJ, let's finish up with uh, with a pick for Sunday. And and you know I'm picking the Giants, and I will say this. You know, we use the, the Tally Site app to, to put together all of our picks. I'm pretty sure you guys do as well. And I picked the Giants, all right? I did that on your show, and I admitted that I'm – I'm picking the Giants, but it's almost like a soft kind of a pick where it's like, I feel like if the Giants are going to make that leap and beat the Cowboys at some point and sort of end this this long-reigning domination by Dallas, this is the week where it needs to happen. At home in the opener, when the Giants are healthy, when there's still some questions about scheme and how different guys are going to get used and all of that. But it bothers me that every writer on my staff picked the Giants to win. I will say that much. It bothers me immensely that it's a you know that it that it's a, a five to five to nothing or six to nothing, you know, clear slate of of all Giants, Giants win the game picks. I'm not I'm not sure that that I feel real good about that. 
I would challenge you to find uh, an SB Nation team site that in week one isn't full of people picking their team to win, right? After we've mm-hmm. all wandered through the well, uh, the wasteland uh, of the offseason. Well, maybe uh, I would go to the Cardinals site. And, sure. And we might <laughs> argue about that. That's fair. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I don't think there's value in a real way to the idea that nobody's repeated as the NFC's champion since 2004, right? Like the 2005 Giants have nothing to do with the 2023 Giants, but that's also like, it's also impossible to ignore that, right? Like it's not a real thing, but it's, you have to talk about it at least. Um, So in a similar way, um, Dak Prescott is 10 and 0 in in his last 10 games. I mean, he's never lost to the Giants except for as a rookie. Um, And so that's, we're not talking like a three game sample size, right? We're talking like a 10 game sample size. Um, And, and some of those games have been a little bit more stressful, obviously. So I'm kind of with you, like, or at least what you've described. I'm, I'm not saying it's impossible for the Giants to win, but I have a hard time picking them until we've seen it. I need some proof of concept with regards to this rivalry specifically. Um, I do think the Giants have turned a corner, as I've mentioned, uh, but but Dak Prescott and the Cowboys do tend to own them. So until that changes, um, I'm certainly going to lean on the Dallas side. Uh, I'm, I'm very anxious to watch the Cowboys because we haven't seen you know their starters all throughout the preseason. We haven't seen the Mike McCarthy offense. We haven't seen Micah Parsons fully unleashed, right? Uh, the Cowboys at present time have some questions. Tyler Smith, their left guard, is he going to – is this hamstring thing going to linger? Is Donovan Wilson going to play? Um, but all told, I think I'll still lean Dallas um, and, uh, and assume that, that things stay the same until they don't. Understood. Absolutely. And RJ, as always, we uh, we thank you for the time. We hope that Sunday is a good game. Fingers crossed that not only is it enjoyable, but there are no major injuries, no disasters, none of that stuff, because we, we hate that stuff. You know, I, I always like to see uh, to see teams get through as healthy as possible. So so let's let's cross our fingers and hope for that. That's well said. And uh, what I'm about to say is completely earnest and honest and true. If it can't be the Cowboys winning the NFC East, I hope it's you, um, as long as it's not well, the Eagles. Well, we, we do have that in common. <laughs> we, we do have that in common. Anybody but the Eagles, you, you know, with, with, with all due respect to, to Brandon Lee Gowton and the, and the folks over at Bleeding Green Nation, I anybody say with zero but respect. the Eagles. Yeah, you can offer all respect. I say it was zero respect. So. <laughs> well, you know, it's my show. I have to try to show some class. That's fair. But, you know, <laughs> as, right. as the guest, I don't. Ed, uh, thanks <laughs> for having me. And uh, best of luck to the Giants this season, except for uh, those two particular games. Our thanks again to RJ Ochoa of SB Nation's Blogging the Boys for giving us a few minutes. Before we go, need to discuss the weekly SB Nation Single game parlay for Giants Cowboys that is sponsored by our partners at DraftKings Sportsbook. This week, my parlay includes three Giants bets. I have Darren Waller over 54 and a half receiving yards. I think the Giants are going to want to feature their new toy on offense, their new big time tight end early and often. And I'll be very surprised if he doesn't surpass 54 and a half yards receiving. The second part of my parlay is that I have Daniel Jones over 244 and a half passing yards. Sort of the same logic as with Waller. I believe that the Giants are going to be trying to implement more of a pass-centric offense, more of a quarterback-centric offense in 2023. 
as opposed to the running back centric offense that they ran last year, which centered around Saquon Barkley. I think that Jones will be looking for Darren Waller. I think he'll be looking for Paris Campbell. I think he'll be looking for Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins and throwing the ball to Saquon Barkley out of the backfield. So I think Jones surpassing 244 and a half receiving yards is a reasonable bet. The third part of my single game parlay is Daniel Jones scoring an anytime touchdown. We know that Daniel Jones has running ability. We know that the Giants leaned into it quite a bit last year. And as I watched practices during the summer, I was struck by how much the Giants seemed to be working on and leaning into the quarterback run game in the red zone, particularly down inside the five-yard line, down close to the goal line. I expect that quarterback run game inside and outside to be a big part of the Giants' goal line offense in 2023. So I have Daniel Jones with an anytime touchdown for the third part of my single-game parlay, which uh, showed when I when I put it together as plus 1,100 at DraftKings Sportsbook if it does happen to hit. So uh, please remember, uh, Giants fans, if you're putting down your money at DraftKings, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778 Hope NY or text Hope NY, which is 467 369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling by calling 888 789 7777 or by visiting ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. All right, Giants fans, that's our show for today. We thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.